Cal Precast listeners, welcome back into episode 117. A couple old friends sitting in down with you, our internet radio friends. I am Graham Parker, Associate Pastor Calvary Bible Church, and across from me, the inestimable, magnificent, keep going, marvelous, keep going. Proud. Oh, no, no. <laughs> okay. Jess Miller. There we go. Lead pastor at said Calvary Bible Church. Um, I was thinking, more and more podcasts these days are loaded with commercials. Mm. Ours is not. Should we just make our own commercials? We Be could. Our own sponsors? We could, because it is technically sponsored by Calvary Bible Church. Mm-hmm. So we could add in... Some, you know, lighthearted. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Calvary Bible Church. Here's a little clip about Calvary Bible Church and, you know, have yeah, something there. We could. If I have nothing to do sometime, maybe I'll put that together. Right. If you got extra time, why don't you put that together? A little extra time, I'll work on that little project. That'd be fun. Uh, but no, you don't have to skip anything here, as I do. I mean, sometimes it's like two and three minutes worth of commercials people are putting into their podcast. Multiple mm-hmm. segments. I'm like, yeah. guys, this is annoying. Right. Stop making me hit that 30-second button I four know. times. I know. I wonder if there's anybody that doesn't hit the 30-second button and just sits and listens. I. It depends on what it is, right? Sometimes it's actually like, oh, I'm interested in that project-like thing or whatever. What's I, always funny to me is the ones where you're like... <laughs> You know they really don't want to do that sponsor, like the one that I'm. It's a football podcast, and they're talking about like skin creams and stuff like oh that. My goodness. <laughs> like, oh my god! They must be paying you guys a lot for that. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Well, um, we could do that if you want to. Whatever, whatever you want to do. Uh, no. So, but there's big news for mm-hmm. us. A couple years ago, I don't know if you remember or not, we won an award, mm-hmm. best church in Grand Junction. We won it again. Wow. So we can't say two years in a row because it was two years ago that we okay. won this. We should probably give ourselves a little little, uh, little applause or something like that for that. Huh? Right. Thank there you. There we go. Thank you. There we go. So best best church in Grand Junction. Uh, they've tried to reach us a couple of times. The email said, uh, and we can buy a plaque from them. Well, okay. What I don't remember that happening the first time. But oh, yeah. who is this that made us the best church in Grand Junction? Uh, a scam website. It's a scam website. It's I'm a, on now. It, I'm tracking. It's, okay. It's a scam. <laughs> <laughs> You're like There's after no the way. last episode, we got named best church in Grand Junction. I, I kept waiting to think that maybe it was somebody that emailed in or nope. something that said, "Hey, we're saying nope. you're the best church," or no, maybe I'm, a review. Yeah. on Google or something. No, no, nope. Uh, we've been selected as, according to this, the best of Grand Junction Award, and we won in the category of church. Wow. So according That's to these people. Else. So for a small, you know, probably thirty nine ninety five, you yep. could have a plaque to put in the mm-hmm. foyer saying, right. best of Grand Junction in the category of church. Is something I can get behind. I just don't want to click on the link they sent right. to me. But we could just make our own, you know, we could just go to a place that makes plaques and just tell them what we want best of grand junction we could so anyway 
Um, that's all I've got. You got anything there? I do not. Okay. Let's get into our uh, book of the month. Book of the month. Wow, you added a voice into that. With the magic of AI. Interesting. Yeah. That's so exciting and that's scary. All at the same time. Exciting. We we needed a female voice on the podcast, so there yes. it was. Yep. Yep. Book of the month, which is J.I. Packer's Evangelism <laughs> and the Sovereignty of God. Mm-hmm. I need some spooky music or something. Some spooky, yeah. So it's the idea is obviously talking about evangelism, but in the with the theological persuasion that God is sovereign over all things, including salvation. And um, so very helpful. Starts out even in chapter one very helpfully when he he says, I do not intend to spend any time at all proving to you the general truth that God is sovereign in his world. There is no need for I know that if you are a Christian, you believe this already. And then he gives the example that the reason he knows that all Christians believe in the sovereignty of God is because all Christians pray for people to be saved. And as soon as right. you pray that prayer, yes. God saved this person, God changed that heart, his heart, you know, uh, whatever it is, you're acknowledging that God is sovereign mm-hmm. even in the area of salvation. Yep. It would be interesting if anybody listening to this who does not believe in the doctrines of grace or mm-hmm. the sovereignty of God and salvation, mm-hmm. what explanation you would have for you praying to God to save someone mm. or do you so anybody listening on that send us an email and let us know that there we you, go. you 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 challenge the doctrines of unconditional election and effectual calling and some of these other things we've talked about in the past how do you pray for people if mm. you believe that it is all up to their will like what do you what words do you use how do you say it I'm not I'm not you're saying not being this facetious any, yeah. yeah facetiously or contentiously right. i'm genuinely curious curious yeah so if anybody is fits that send us an email and we'll think through it and if you want to we'd even bring it out on here yeah now in that point once we brought it on here we would have to explain why we don't agree with it but i we would just be, be curious a, it'd as, be a good conversation topic starter. that's right it'd be like how do you pray for people uh, you know what words do you say because yeah. I can freely say, God, please change their heart. Right. But if I were, if I believed that God wasn't sovereign over salvation, then I'd have to say, God, I know you're, you're waiting and hoping and wishing that person would turn, mm-hmm. but their will is hardened and they're turned against you. So, I mean, how would you, how do you reconcile that? I guess would be my question. Yep. Uh, yeah, this is a good book. I think I mentioned on Sunday, this book was very, um, influential for me right and first really understanding the sovereignty of god and salvation even when i didn't understand all of what this book was starting to bring out right um so it's uh and i we were talking to somebody else that had the same impact on them so i think this would be really helpful to people because how many times have you had the question well if god is sovereign then why should we evangelize right j.i packer just mike drops it yeah and i think when when we're dealing with the sovereignty of god over (coughs) salvation evangelism is where this becomes really important because we don't want to become manipulators or salesmen um, in our reaching out to people with the gospel. Yeah. And when you understand the sovereignty of God 
over salvation, then you won't become that way because you're just going to share the gospel in love. Yes, you'll plead with people, as Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 5. You'll, You'll encourage them to turn to Christ and different things, but you're not, you know that a simple manipulation of their will isn't, what's going to save them. It has to be God's power, or as we talked about last Sunday in church, his calling Mm -hmm. or his drawing. So at any rate, it's helpful. The only uh, thing I would add, so this was taken from a couple of sermons or a series of lectures he delivered Mm -hmm. back like in 1959. So if people are reading it and they come across things that sound outdated, Mm -hmm. that's because it's... what, 60-some years old now? Yeah. Like, he'll make a couple of references to, especially, like, evangelistic meetings, mm-hmm. church meetings, right? That used to be really popular. Right. You have these big evangelistic meetings, and, um, you know, you have people walk the aisle and the certain kinds of songs. It looks, I mean, people do the same thing today, it just looks differently. Right. So if you get confused by that, that's what it is. Okay. So run, don't walk, to the uh, Calvary Bible Church bookstore. Get yourself a copy. <laughs> Listener feedback. Wow. How'd you like that voice? I don't know. I It'll grow on me, I'm sure. All right. Who, uh, whose voice was that? Was that AI? That AI. Okay. Amazing. Sounds just like a person. It does. It's kind of creepy. Uh, so three kind of feedbacky comments. And two of them. One of them was, we need more banter. Wow. Somebody wanted 30 minutes of banter, they said, and then just a little bit, and I thought, that? 30 minutes of banter? We couldn't do it. That's Everett, by the way. Okay. So, okay. shout out to Everett. Uh, so, he said we need more banter, but other people would probably disagree. Then the two other questions have to relate to our last podcast, which has just ignited a firestorm on the internet, and by that I mean... <laughs> Two questions. <laughs> Two questions. That That's a firestorm. <laughs> all right, all right. So the first question, so the last podcast, in case you didn't listen to it, was about the danger of seeker-sensitive churches. Mm-hmm. And I did get lots of feedback because of what you said on Sunday morning about it. Anyway, we won't go into all that here. One of the questions, though, was what is the place for inviting unbelieving friends to a worship service if the worship service is primarily for Christians? Mm-hmm. So what do we say to that? Yeah, well, I'm. I'll just you. I'm you, sure shoot you, you, know, I'll I'll you shoot from the hip, and I'll shoot from the hip. I would say a couple of things. Probably first of all, the majority of your evangelism with anyone should be outside a church, um, as you're talking to them about the gospel and sharing the gospel with them. And what I would do is explain to them what Christian people do once they've come to Christ is they gather and they worship him and that in his word, he has given us means to, by which we can do that. Like the word of God, which is read and taught um, prayer songs that have meaning that come from the scripture, the Lord's supper. And you could actually have a conversation with someone prior to the service, perhaps if it, if the occasion fit it, where, you're explaining elements of the service and tying them to the gospel. This is why we do what we do. Now, every service is going to have the gospel in it. Our liturgy has a gospel in it. We read from scripture that has the gospel in it. We ever, you know, 
I would say the vast majority of sermons have the gospel weaved into it. And oftentimes there'll be gospel invitation. So it's not as though it's, it's not as though there's no gospel for unbelievers there. But what we're saying is that the service, a worship service is for worshipers to worship God. Mm -hmm. It is not for non-worshipers. They shouldn't understand everything that's going on. Um, They should come in and, and have to have a lot of things explained to them. And I think in doing that, um, it'll actually be very helpful to you in in your evangelizing this person. Yeah, I I said to this person, I was like, absolutely, invite your unbelieving friends, but know that it's going to be different for them, Mm -hmm. right? The 1 Corinthians, was it 14, Mm -hmm. where an unbeliever comes into your your service, they see that God is among you, they fall down on their faces, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I hope that would be what would happen. An unbeliever would come in and go, this is kind of strange, and it Mm -hmm. feels kind of uncomfortable, but there's something here that I don't see anywhere else in the world. That's right. And they are going to hear the call of the gospel. And even, I mean, almost every week there is some sort of call to turn from your sin and to trust in Jesus at, at the Lord's table every week. Because we're saying, if you don't believe, if you're not trusting in Jesus, this isn't for you. Right. You need to trust in Jesus. Right. So there is going to be a call uh, to respond to the gospel there. And then, two, it does create conversation starters, right? If you've brought an unbelieving friend to church, they're going to walk out of there, hopefully be like, wow, that was that was different or yeah. whatever. And then yeah. you're, well, let me tell you why, yeah. you know? So, um, yeah, I think absolutely invite your unbelieving friends. I think it would, there's something wrong. There would be something wrong with a worship service where an unbeliever would come and not feel like it was different or have questions about it or feel some uncomfortableness in what's being said about us being sinners. And, you know, there's it should be unique. It should be different. And but that your primary primarily evangelism should not be the morning service primarily evangelism is in life right. it's as you're going right you're actually making disciples and and then bringing them into mm-hmm. the church now and i think too it, it's going to depend a little bit as well on on the person you're interacting because if it's say a person that has like a christianese background right you know then they're going to have more familiarity with it yeah. and maybe they even think they're a christian mhm but they're going to come and they're going to hear the true gospel. Right. You know, then that's, that for sure would be an, an interesting op- opportunity. Yeah. Uh, okay. The other uh, piece of feedback was it, somebody. Can oh, I say one more thing? You can say one more thing. Be versed in why we do here what we do mm. and become convinced that this is the right way to do it and become excited about that so that when you're talking to people, it's like, we do this this way, here's why. Our liturgy rehearses this gospel every week, reminding the people of God they're the people of God and how they got in this situation and the forgiveness in Christ and the, and the cross. The songs we sing are chosen purposely to reflect, you know, um, Scripture. We're not, they're not designed to entertain. This worship has never been that way. Become excited about what we do. And then if you're going to invite somebody, explain that to them and be excited about it. You know, uh, the people that go to seeker sensitive churches where it's like, hey, this week my pastor is going to put out a, um, 
you know, it's, it's March. And so he's going to talk about March madness and try to tie in some scripture with that. Well, they, they, they're excited about that Mm -hmm. because it's entertaining. They're like, Hey, come be entertained or whatever, but be versed in why that's not right. And don't be ashamed of it. Right. Like be excited about, no, we do it this way. That's stupid. We do it this way. And here's why. And this reflects what, what God has told us to do in the Bible. Yeah. So ours is, ours is better. Here's why. And you might not, they, they might not understand everything, but that's conversation. Right. Those are conversation starters. Those are where you can actually keep weaving in the gospel. So thought yeah. I'd throw that in. That was good. It's, uh, it's our podcast. You can add as much or deta- take as much out as you want. Okay, second question was that we maybe didn't highlight clearly enough the gradation of seeker sensitivity, right? That not every church is the pastor riding in on a dirt bike, people swinging from the rafters. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And that's that's a good point. I don't know if we did that clear enough. I think actually, because I left out, I don't think I brought this up on the podcast. I brought it up to some people in conversation. But seeker sensitivity can look like conservative churches right. as well. You know, I think there's an element of seeker sensitivity when you're splitting churches over style, contemporary, traditional. Mm-hmm. There's an element to yeah. that, right? You're appealing to people on those things. So, um, but but maybe we didn't highlight that enough. Seeker sensitivity can is a there's a philosophy behind it, and it's pragmatic. I would say largely, mm-hmm. it's we'll do whatever we need to do to get people in the door, or we'll just adopt cultural norms regarding the church and ministry and we'll just imbibe them without much thought Mm -hmm. because that's just what churches do right and so some churches will just take little bits and pieces because like oh that seems cool let's just try that you know right and there's not a lot of thoughtfulness behind it but that doesn't mean that they've like forsaken the gospel nothing like that yeah does that clarify that a little bit maybe i think so and and even adding in like Probably every church, including ours, has brought in or adopted some of what was brought out in the seeker-sensitive circles. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I would I would suspect that if you have a greeter crew that greets people when they come in, mm-hmm. um, you do that. Uh, it's the roots of that were probably in seeker sensitivism. I mean, I don't know for sure, yeah. but I'm I'm guessing that that was probably the case, or other things that you might or, do, or, that, or like we could say, quote unquote, contemporary music, right? Yeah. Drums in church probably re- weren't really a thing, right? Until well, the I don't the, know the Jesus, Jesus movement and then the yeah. the uh, the seeker sensitive made we it more call, popular. But then there's also though. I think as as it's developed, right? Like we yeah. have biblical reasons, right? right? But see, seeker sensitivism is different than visitor friendlyism. I mean, we want to be friendly to visitors, which is right. why we do certain things that we do to so visitors feel more comfortable and um, that kind of thing. Whereas seekers, the the premise of seeker sense, seeker sensitivism was was rooted in. An, a lack of understanding of how God saves people. Yes. So you have to, it goes all the way back to Finneyanism, Charles Finney and others that they totally rejected the sovereignty of God and salvation. And so they had to become very pragmatic to appeal to the will and to the emotions so that the person would have this turning of their will and believe. It really has its source in a bad um, system of understanding how, how salvation works. 
that's why J.I. Packer's evangelism and sovereignty of God would be a good place to start in that. Yeah. When you're understanding how those two things go together, it's going to keep you from being um, pragmatic in those ways. Yeah. Prob- problematically pragmatic. Okay. Hopefully that uh, that uh, helps. Topic of the day. Which is? Well, we are going to follow up on a cup, uh, two applications on Romans 8.28, or at least two of them. Okay. Because we've been preaching on Romans 8.28 to 30, and you actually preached on Romans 8.28. I did. Uh, when I was here, but I was out that week for family. So, um, in you did an excellent job at unpacking that verse that says, uh, the very well-known verse, of course, that says, um, hold on, let me look it up. Yeah. (laughs) We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And of course we've explained what that good is, Mm -hmm. isn't necessarily like if you lose your job, God's got a better job for you, right? Or whatever. It's, it's the purpose of, us becoming like Christ. Verse and 29. Then, and then eventually glorified, and that's where that's finally and fully fulfilled. But at any rate, I thought of two applications of that that I was going to bring in last week's message, but I just didn't have the time, and um, and I know I'm not going to this week either because I'm trying to get through verse 30 today, or this Sunday. And at any rate, here they are. Um, when we think about that, that idea of all things work together for good or God works all things together for good. The first the all things would include past mistakes, hmm. um, bad decisions yeah, or, you know, decisions you made in your past that, you know, you followed a certain path, you thought you were doing the right thing and it led you to where you wish you weren't. And now you're looking back on that with regret. Hmm. And I think that's common. Uh, Some people may, that may have been a big one that carried lifelong consequences. Like perhaps you married somebody Mm -hmm. and, um, and you look back now and you wish you hadn't because let's say the person isn't a believer or you weren't, they weren't a strong believer and you weren't walking with the Lord at the time or whatever it is. Um, in, in any decisions, career, you know, things where you were at a fork in the road, you made a decision and you wish you could go back and change it. Um, but we have to learn to take those past decisions and put them under the all things, recognizing that God was sovereign in those moments. We're not blaming him for the decision we made. We never are doing that. It might have been a foolish decision we shouldn't have made. But um, God is sovereign, and he was working in providence then as much as he is now. And according to his working in our lives, he is using that now to make us more like Jesus, whatever the consequences of that are, or as a result of that decision, wherever we're in life, he's using that to... Uh, make us more like Christ now, conforming us more to the image of Christ now, and we'll continue to work that through all the way to glory. So to add on to that, I think th- sometimes people like make a 
what we would say would be the wrong decision, right? They go down a certain path, like you illustrated. And then what happens is they feel guilt over that, mm-hmm. right? They recognize, oh, that was the wrong thing to do. Mm-hmm. I should have done this other thing. Should have listened to this counsel. And they know, like, the truth of Romans eight twenty eight, but they don't always believe it fully. I think, though, subtly in the back of their minds, then they can think, well, God is mad at me, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, like, right. he's judging me for this decision, and uh, there's a lesson I got to learn, and until I learn that lesson, I'm not going to grow past this. Right. And it can almost become just consuming, hmm. you know, for their for their lives. Every decision they make now, they question it yep. <laughs> to the il- it millionth degree. Which I mean, right. we should, you know, hopefully, if we've made poor decisions, we gain wisdom and won't make the same mistake twice. Yeah. Um, but I think like there is a word here though to people like. God is gracious mm-hmm. and merciful. And if he's using all things, including our bad decisions, mm. he's not like, boy, you're a real dummy. You know, you should have made a different decision. Mm-hmm. I'm judging you. You know, you better fix it. That's not his response. It's full of grace and mercy and forgiveness and is redeeming yeah. bad decisions. Yeah. It's interesting, like in James 1, when he talks about, uh, seeking wisdom from God, and he gives to all without reproach. Yes. Without, like, saying just what you were just saying, like, you're such an idiot or whatever. <laughs> no, and, and even if you're in a situation that you need wisdom because you got yourself into something that you wish you wouldn't have, a bad financial decision or whatever, maybe it was foolish what you did, you still seek wisdom, and he doesn't sit there and berate you over it. Right. That's powerful to me. Mm-hmm. That that stuck out to me not too long ago as I was really looking at that verse and thinking, that's really, you know, cool to think about in how God is just like that with us, you know. And um, and so I think it's important because because to you and you hinted at this like our past decisions if they if we made decisions at, at a fork in the road or whatever it would be, and then it didn't turn out the way we thought or we didn't like it, it can paralyze you in current decision-makings or uh, decision-making, making you more paranoid and stuff. And and I, it's not that we shouldn't carefully do everything we need to do when we got to make a decision. We seek counsel. We look into God's Word. We pray. We analyze these things. But then we make a decision just trusting in God, and no matter what, we know He will work this together for our eternal good. And uh, we know how this all ends, and that's with us in glory. Cool. So application number one, God, the all things includes past mistakes. Right. Poor decisions. What's number two? The all things includes current sins and failures. Mm -hmm. And by that, of course, I'm alluding to our present, you know, Romans 7 battle with indwelling sin and failure. And we all have this going on, of course, and uh, we have temptations to sin. We have things that we wish were gone and uh, that we've prayed over, over and over again, or, or what have you. And we ha- sometimes the, the thought can come into our mind that, or the question rather, why is this in my, why, why does God leave this? Why doesn't he just take this away, Right. Well, first of all, that's a good thought to have. It's a good question to have. It's a good desire to have. The desire to have a certain sin or failure uh, or struggle that you have just be gone, that's an excellent indicator 
that you know God in a, in a real way and that you're born again, that you would, if you could snap your fingers, it would just be gone. But God doesn't. And we have to battle these sins and our, our, our tendencies and our temptations really our whole lives. God does give some deliverance for some sins in our lives. I mean, things that maybe before we were saved, we really, that was a real problem and then it's just gone. I mean, God's merciful in that, but he leaves within us these struggles. And we need to know that even in those, even in our failures, the all thing stands. Mm. It doesn't change. That it all will work together for our eternal good. Now, again, we, we need to hear this correctly we don't blame God for the sin, saying, mm-hmm. if you could take it away, you would, so this is your fault. And we also don't use this as an excuse to sin. Right. Like to shrug our shoulders and go, oh, yeah, well, okay, cool, then I just won't even worry about this anymore. <laughs> we don't do that. But we do know he is, he is leaving this struggle for a purpose and that that purpose is good. It's our eternal good in his glory. And this, the reason this this whole, these two applications actually stood out to me was in my morning devotions the other day, I was reading a section out of the London Baptist confession, Mm. which was written back by uh, mostly Puritan Baptists of the 1600s. And under the section called of divine providence. So this ties right into Romans 8, 28. Number five, they say this, the perfectly wise, righteous, and gracious God often allows his own children for a time to experience a variety of temptations and the sinfulness of their own hearts. He does this to chastise them for their former sins or to make them aware of the hidden strength of the corruption and deceitfulness of their hearts so that they may be humbled. He also does this to lead them to a closer and more constant dependence on him to sustain them, to make them more cautious about all future circumstances that may lead to sin and for other just and holy purposes. So whatever happens to any of his elect happens by his appointment for his glory and for their good. Mm. Now, under that section... They had four proof texts from Old and New Testament. And the uh, the proof text being, you know, they're saying, look at these verses. They teach what we just wrote here. And one of them was Romans 8, 28. Mm-hmm. So as these men um, thought about the idea of Romans 8, 28, and all things work together for good, the good being, of course, conforming to Christ eventually, they thought about God leaving sin in them and this battle of sin they wish they didn't have, but they needed to be confident about, and they wanted to teach others about, so much so that they put it in their confession. Mm. That's how important this is to understand in the Christian life, Mm. is that God is using even our failures for our eternal good. We, We need to know that if it wasn't for our eternal good, then God wouldn't leave it in us. Mm because he works all things together for our good. And so, hmm. you know, if you think about just what they mentioned, it, it, when you deal with sin, it leads to confession and appreciation of Jesus. Yeah, It leads to more dependence on God for his help. And it, 
it leads to true humility and forbearance with other sinners. It, and so in that way, if, if God's goal in it, Romans eight twenty nine is to conform us to the image of his son, I mean, think about it. We're becoming more and more dependent on the Father. That is what God, Jesus did. More and more dependent on the Spirit. That's what Jesus was. And it leads to this true humility and forbearance with sinners. And Christ was humble and forbearing with sinners, you know. You feel, you should feel the most merciful to other people when you yourself are in need of mercy from God because of your own sin. Yeah. You're going to be, in those moments, you're less prone to be harsh with other sinners when you yourself are conscious of your need of the, the grace and forgiveness from God. You know, and there are times when we forget that there are times when God needs to humble us and make us more dependent on him. And they're saying he uses the corruption of our own hearts to do that. So providentially, like the Lord could use our own sin and failing to make us more gracious and humble and able to help others who are caught up in the same sin. That's right. That'd be a way that God works all things together for good. Yes, Hmm. that's right. That's a good word. Yeah, Good stuff. I think these were two important things, but look at how long that took to talk about, what, 10 minutes or so, probably 15? Yeah. And that would have been 10 or 15 minutes onto the sermon, and I thought, you know, maybe it would have been good. <laughs> but I'll tell everybody to listen to the podcast. There you go. There are two things that they can't miss on the podcast. That's what we'll just maybe call it, two things you cannot miss. Right, from Romans eight twenty eight or there something. Well, we thank you for listening to the podcast today. We do pray that this whole conversation has served well the people here at Calvary Bible Church in Grand Junction. And whether you're a part of our church or not, we pray that you're growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you like the podcast and are enjoying it, you you know what they say, sharing is caring. So consider giving us a review, sharing it with your, your friends. We always enjoy hearing from our listeners, as we did today. So give us some feedback. If you're part of our church, it's very simple. You can text us, talk to us, call us, or you can send us an email at thecalvarycast at gmail.com. If there's questions, topics you want us to tackle, or if you're a person who doesn't believe in the total sovereignty of God and salvation, want to answer Jess's question about prayer, send it to the email address. Follow us on the social medias at Instagram and Twitter, now known as X, at the Calvarycast is our handle. At Calvary, we exist for the glory of God, the good of his people, and the Great Commission. So until next time.